and welcome to Save Minds. I'm Natya. And I'm Ellie. And we're probably the same person. So Ellie, this week, I've been thinking, what makes things valuable? Time makes things more valuable as they go on and the thing becomes rare, but I think valuability is determined, at least for like objects and, and money, is determined by the lack of them or how much there is. I mean, valuable valuability in a person is different, and I can't answer that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's where I got to too. That like value has to come from scarcity, mm-hmm. which I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like a lot of our economic theories are basically built on that entire idea. But you know, but then I was thinking, like, if we're talking about content, especially like online, so much content is just available. Mm-hmm. So how do we determine what's valuable then? Like, what's valuable for us to, to see and read and consume into our brains? Yeah, or... right? Because I was thinking online, everything is available. There's really limited scarcity. Everything's available in abundance. But we dictate value by how many people care about a certain thing. Okay. Well, that's the same thing. There's actually um, a Teen Titans Go episode. Where, of course there is. Uh, <laughs> where Robin is talking about, like, how valuable money is, and he's, like, bringing this up, and Beast Boy's just like, what if it wasn't money? And Robin's like, what are you talking about? And <laughs> and um, Beast Boy builds an economy where the main currency is bees. Because yes. he's like, money is not, like, why would you have money if you could have bees? And he made everyone care about it, which made it take place over Robin's money. This is... Such a childish example for an actual thing. (laughs) I think money is a really weird thing because it's the way we assign value to stuff, essentially. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure the origins of money are kind of unknown. Like, there's no clear set. This is exactly when stuff started happening and this is why it started happening. But I think the general consensus is that money was created as a way to facilitate transactions, Mm -hmm. right? So it's just a way to say, I want that thing. The easiest way to do it is not for you to say, well, I want a chicken, and then I have to go find a chicken. <laughs> it prevents side quests. Money is a way to prevent oh, side quests. Oh, I like that idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we ever got away from trading, but I think it's because giving someone... No, we exactly wouldn't got away from trading because it'd be a side quest. Because let's say you <laughs> want... I want your, I don't know, like your TV... And you're like, okay, well, I want a chicken. I have to be like, okay, uh, so I can't help you. So I'm going to have to go find someone that wants a chicken. And you have to and trade And let's say the person that wants that. a chicken wants something, then I have to go find something for that person mm. until I have something that I can give. And then I have to go through that line in order to get you the chicken so I can get what I want. Yeah, so, so money is just like it helps you avoid side quests you can't get any mandatory quests from any other players you just just use the money but then like the idea of money gets kind of weird and abstract in that way because initially it was based off of gold is how much gold a country has is the worth of their money essentially Mm -hmm. and we've slowly moved away from that in which i'm not sure what creates the value of money like you could say GDP, how much economic movement is happening in a country. But, like, I was listening to a story, and all this information could be completely wrong. Okay. (laughs) But I'm going to say it anyways, because I reserve the right to be wrong on this podcast. Anyways, 
essentially, I think it's in Mexico. Mexico's currency is the real, right? I don't know. I didn't think so, but it might be, and I'm just wrong. Is it so... Mexico or Brazil? Wait, okay. <laughs> no, they use pesos in Mexico. Okay, I think I'm thinking of something. But anyways, that's irrelevant. I was thinking of something different. Riel is apparently used in Cambodia, but this is I'm not talking about Cambodia, so I don't know what's going on. Anyways, I was listening to a podcast in which a country fixed their hyperinflation. Do you, you know what hyperinflation is? Yeah, at, at like the most basic level, I know what it is. Yes, Yes, but when the value of money keeps going up and up by like drastic amounts each day. Yeah. So it, it's not great for anyone, really. But they fixed this problem by saying, okay... So we have this issue. So we're going to create a new currency, and that currency is going to be reset to whatever our original currency was each day. So instead of stores having to like raise the prices every day for hyperinflation, they just said, oh, this is one real, I think was the currency that they replaced it with. Again, <laughs> could all okay. be wrong. But, and then that essentially became their new currency, and then... Once everyone got used, like, they made sure employers paid in their new currency and everything, and then they just entirely replaced their old currency with their new currency. But, like, in that case, what is the value of money based on? Like, they just said, oh, we don't like this one, we're gonna make a new one. (laughs) Like, that's so weird. And I'm sure there's other stuff going on in the background, but that's crazy. Anyways, also, I heard about a new economic theory relating to money that I don't understand how it works at all. But essentially the theory is that governments could print their own money to fund their own activities without creating inflation. Then why don't they do that? Well, the theory is generally that governments can't just keep printing, 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 printing money because it creates inflation because everyone starts just buying more stuff because there's more money in circulation and then the money becomes devalued and then you get your inflation. And as we already established... Hyperinflation, not great for anyone, but there's some economic idea going around right now that essentially governments could print their own money to fund their own activities. Like if we need a road built and we don't have money for that road, we could print the money theoretically and then use taxes as a way to stop inflation. And I don't understand how it works, but what is going on, you know? Yeah, Ellie looks very distressed right now. That's fine. We should probably move on. Uh, Well, since we're speaking about economics and everything, my topical topic is about the stock market and what's going on with that right now. So what do you think about that? Yes. Okay, so I'm just going to go and explain it because I've seen so many things going on about it. Basically, GameStop is like the American version of EB Games, Mm -hmm. if people know what that is. And they, like, the pandemic hit, and they weren't doing so great. They were kind of doing, like, the whole, you know, they're a mall retailer, and now, like, everyone buys video Mm -hmm. games online. So their stock, uh, kind of understandably, had been going down, 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 down. But it got to the point where it was maybe undervalued, because, like, they're not doing great, but they're also probably not going to go out of business. And with stocks, there's a way to make money when a stock's going down by shorting. But the way shorting works is basically if you had an apple, and I took the apple and sold it for like $5, then later when the price of an apple goes down, I can buy it back and give you back the apple. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So shorting stock is essentially you have to borrow the stocks. 
And the cool thing about shorting stocks is if the price doesn't go down and goes up, you could technically lose an infinite yeah. amount of money. Because regardless of how high the price goes, I still mm-hmm. have to buy back the apple and give it to you. The stock People start shorting GameStop stocks, and then the price started to go up. And a way to solve the issue of the price of stocks going up in the short term is to short more. And so they did that, and the stock kept going down until they got to the point where they were shorting more stocks of games, oh, GameStop no. than existed in the world. They were like 130% or something. And so some thread on Reddit saw this and was like, hey, if we buy this stock, then those guys eventually are going to want to buy the stock when it starts going up in order to stop their losses and we can make some money. So that's what they did. They bought a bunch of the stock and the price went up and then the people went, oh shoot, I'm shorting a stock, I could lose so much money if it just keeps going up, and so eventually they were forced to buy the mm-hmm. stock themselves, again, forcing the price up more, and then other people also probably wanted to make money, so they started buying the stock, and okay. it's cyclical, sort of. Yeah. It's an interesting topic, because it's become politicized pretty quickly, in that it's really easy to shape the story in any way you mm. want in order to reaffirm your worldviews, because you can be like, oh, yeah, the guys, like, held the line and they, like, screwed the hedge funds, which they kind of did, but, like, not Mm -hmm. intentional. Well, maybe intentionally. And it's, like, this fight against capitalism. But, like, there were probably hedge funds making money as well when it popped up. Or you could be like, look, this is why the free market is so good. Look at how great this is. Like, there's lots of ways you can interpret the story. Mm -hmm. That's kind of interesting. Ellie, I have a fact for you. Okay. Squids can fly. No, they can't. Yeah, they can. I'm just denying it. I don't want to (laughs) know. There used to be, like, stories of sailors who would be like, yeah, and then this squid, like, flew onto our boat. People would be like, that can't happen. Like, you're crazy. But no, no, no. Squids can very much fly. Not, like, just jump. Like, they they can fly in the air. Fly in the air. So... You know, squids move sort of like how you think a jellyfish does, where, like, their top flappy thing sort of, like, brings in water and then shoots it yeah. out? They can do the same thing with air. What? No, they can't. And no, they can't! So they can <laughs> fly through the air, but they kind of have to do it, like, pretty close to the water, because I'm pretty sure the margin of error is pretty strong. So they can't fly very high, but they can go pretty fast, like, <laughs> right over the water. Are you kidding me? That's so weird. I- <laughs> Again, might not be completely accurate or completely true, but they can in some capacity fly. That's so weird. I just want to, like, yep. look up one day and there's just a squid squid above me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I doubt that'll happen because, again, they can't go very high. True. I mean, I'd still like to see one, like, at my ankle level, just like, hey, you catching the bus, too? <laughs> Uh, Maybe we'll look it up later, see if we can find a video. Um, speaking of facts, I have, you've probably seen these things like, this was still happening at the time this happened. So I yes. found a bunch of them. I'm only going to share the ones that I could fa- fact check and, and back up. Because, Reliability. Because <laughs> I don't want to just that. lie. Um, okay, well, I might have already, so. <laughs> okay, so, uh, well, first of all, Marilyn Monroe and the... Queen Elizabeth II were born in the same year. They would be okay. the same age. Which is like 
It's a miracle the queen's still alive, though. So, like... Not only still alive, but still, like, in the mental capacity to be ruling a country. Like, that is so impressive. Well, ruling is a strong word. Yeah. Somewhat in charge of almost (laughs) something. If anything, that's younger than I thought the queen was. (laughs) Well, like, Marilyn Monroe's feels recent I know, that's the thing. The queen's, like, born in the medieval (laughs) ages sometimes, That's the thing, is Marilyn Monroe feels like she was less ago than the queen but the queen is still alive anyway um (laughs) okay this one's pretty commonly known the last use of the guillotine in france was the same year that star wars came out yeah that's always weird like what were they using the guillotine for still just decapitating people um the last time they decapitated someone with the guillotine in france was the same year that star wars came out into theaters still weird i know which, you know what? That just proves the magical powers of Star Wars in creating peace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that. Direct correlation between the release of Star Wars and the use of guillotine. Oh, that's so good. I like that theory. Star Wars stopped using guillotine. <laughs> okay. Um, when the pyramids were being built, there were still woolly mammoths. I've heard all of these, so they're not as shocking. But, like, it is still weird. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Oxford University was over 300 years old when the Aztec Empire was founded. They also weren't teaching much because calculus wasn't invented. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's true. But teaching had started at Oxford University 300 years before the Aztec Empire was founded. I mean, not calculus. uh, um, Because that wasn't exist. (laughs) Uh, it was like an elementary school, but for old guys. Uh, <laughs> there are two empires. You've probably heard this one. This one's also pretty commonly known. Roman and Ottoman that spanned the entire gap from Jesus to Babe Ruth. Yep. That's just bizarre. Like, they lasted, I don't know, maybe it's a shorter time than it feels like, but that feels like a really long time. I mean, yeah. But, like, also, they didn't always exist in the same capacity as you think, like, the empire when they ruled, like, half the world. It's more like, it takes a while for something so large to die out. Mm. And then, uh, this one I couldn't fact check, but I couldn't find anything to (laughs) naysay it either. (laughs) Coca-Cola is only 31 years younger than Italy. Okay, I feel like this should- we're fact checking this right now. I feel like I couldn't, I looked it up and I couldn't find anything, but it could also. (laughs) Okay, Coca-Cola was invented in January 29th, 1892. Okay, when was Italy founded? June 2nd, 1946. That seems wrong. So it's older? (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Just a second here. What? Okay, maybe it's the brand <laughs> Coca-Cola? That seems really wrong. So it's not just it was only 31 years younger, it's older? actually that, older. That seems really, really <laughs> wrong. Well, if our listeners can figure out what's happening with our math here, please let us know. I have a special segment for you. What's your take on self-care? Ooh, I think it's different for every individual person based on, you know, what actually makes you feel good. But there's also, like, looking at self-care as what makes you healthier, which I think is 
different. Like, there's there's physical self-care and there's emotional self-care. And they're both different, or individual to you than everybody else, I think. You should be a politician. Oh my gosh, Ellie, stop. Thank you. I feel like we <laughs> get you. on the podcast, and I know this because I edit all the episodes, too. So I get to listen to what we mm-hmm. said again, which is such a joy. Love oh, fun. repeating yeah. conversations. I, I envy you so much. <laughs> you should, you should. It's really <laughs> great. But you say something like that where you're like, everyone is equally important, and I would like to consider 18 different people's perspectives right now. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but the color pink sucks, objectively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I think emotional self-care is more focused around, like, for me, it's like uh, reading a good book, usually when I've read before, and having a cup of Bengal spice tea or hot chocolate, and watching a movie with my family while well, for other people it might be uh, taking a walk outside or doing their nails or doing exercise which I don't understand you but I still respect those <laughs> and then um health health self-care is more like yeah exercising eating well not sleeping for ridiculous amounts of time or at odd hours Basically, I'm much I'm much worse at that aspect <laughs> than emotional self-care. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about, because it's, it's like a marketing term now. It's like, get some self-care. Buy this $800 perfume. It'll make you feel good. Or, you know, like it's kind of been co-opted. But I looked into the history of self-care. Mm-hmm. And at its very, very beginning, it was a medical term. Okay. Where it was, like, sort of, like, treating people with PTSD and stuff like that. Uh, It didn't really become popular until it became an activism term. Oh. So it was sort of taken in the sense of activists are usually perceived as, like, selfless. And it was the idea that it's okay to take a break and take some time to care for yourself in order to then return and be able to be an activist. That's kind of cool. Like, I didn't know that. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I think the one quote that came up a lot and really stuck with me when I was looking through it is, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. Oh, it's like the whole idea of liking yourself and taking your care of yourself as a rebellion in a world where they profit off of your disliking yourself and not caring for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always kind of... Go, huh, at that idea whenever I see it like that. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. I have sort of a game. Sort of. I love sort of games. (laughs) Actual games? I don't know about those. But sort of games are great. It's very similar to a game you played with me where you said a movie title and I had to tell you what it was about based off the title. Uh, but for this one, I've compiled a bunch of ridiculous movie titles mixed in with ones that I came up with and, and my mom came up with. She helped, too. Wonderful. <laughs> and you have to tell me which ones are real and which ones oh, no. are, are not real. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so first on the list is Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Real or not real? <laughs> See, here's the issue. This could just be like a Veggie Tales movie or something. It's a dark Veggie Tales movie, but it could be. 
I'm gonna go with not real. Uh, this one is real. It's of course it is. <laughs> it's uh, the description of it says in a spoof of a low budget sci fi films, oozing tomatoes go on the rampage, splattering innocent victims. What? <laughs> guys, guys, you know what I haven't seen yet? You know, like that traditional murder mystery or murder movie. Let's just make the murderer a tomato. <laughs> Yeah. Like, who was in that pitching room and was like, yes. This is a great idea. And it didn't even, it was a success. It had three sequels. <laughs> <laughs> it was that much of a I get, Well, I don't know how successful the sequels were if they were just kind of holding on at the end there. Um, okay, number two. The Chum Scrubber. Fake. I'm just going to say they're all fake. <laughs> There's no way. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's real. <laughs> this one is like the, the the description is so unlike the name it's like after a friend who sells prescription medication is killed Dee is confronted by Billy the high school drug dealer who demands he hands over like the last bit of it like but they named it the the chum scrubber <laughs> what does that even mean I don't mean? know I don't know okay Emily, my friend, the squid. That's fake. There's no way that's real. <laughs> that one is fake. Though, I don't know if you're guessing. That would be <laughs> such a good animated film. Are you kidding me? That's the sequel to Totoro. <laughs> okay, um, similar to that one. Walter the sea lion finds true love. <laughs> I'm saying that's real because I want to watch it ASAP. <laughs> no, my mom came up with that one. <laughs> I kind of wish it was real. That one's too good. Okay. That sounds so At cute. the epitome of all ridiculousness, can Hero Nemus Merkin ever f- forget Mercy Humphrey and find true happiness? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I heard half those words and I understood a fourth of them. I'm gonna go with real. That one is. I figured you'd get it was real, because I would not come up with something that long. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a like, bio- biographical movie about this guy named Hieronymus Merkin, who finds, who finally gets over whoever Mercy Humphrey is and falls in love with his wife. Who <laughs> names their kid? What is it, Hieronymus Merkin? Hieronymus Merkin. Oh, yeah, that's so much better. Hero Nemus Merkin. 18 syllables in a name. <laughs> okay, and then finally, because I don't want this to go on too long, deathbed, colon, the bed that eats. I'm going real, and we're watching that as soon as humanly possible. It is real. It's about a bed that when you sleep on it, it can see, like, it eats you. <laughs> What's that on? Can we I watch that? I don't know. That? I can find it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Bed oh that eats <laughs> where to watch. It's not going to be on anything because, like, no one cares about it. Uh, Prime Video. Prime You're Video. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, well, I know what we'll do some other time. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch that. It's gonna be so good. Have I told you about Velocipaster? Is it a movie? 
It is a movie. I think it was one of the ones you made me do a synopsis for, but I don't remember. Oh, potentially. It's about a pastor that turns into a velociraptor. <laughs> What's the plot? He just does? That's it? No, that's the plot. <laughs> also, it's super low budget, but it's kind of software. It's pretty good. It's kind of on the edge for, like, acceptable sometimes. Mm. But, you know, it's a little on the risque side. <laughs> Adult content. I have one last thing. I read a book recently called How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention oh. Economy, which was very long-winded and written by an artist, in which I learned that artists write like they make art. It's kind of confusing and pointless yeah. sometimes. Oops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I just wanted to read through some of the quotes I wrote down, because they're really good. Oh, sure. Go right ahead. Quote one, simple awareness is the seed of responsibility. I like it. Like, being aware of something gives you a sense that you have duty to other things that have awareness in the world. Mm-hmm. I've also learned that patterns of attention, what we choose to notice and what we do not, are how we render reality for ourselves. Like, what we pay attention to forms our worldview, which view, which forms our opinions on the well, that's exactly what worldview is, <laughs> which forms our perception <laughs> in reality, so... These are all yeah. topics we've just talked about in the <laughs> podcast. Escaping laterally towards each other, we might just find that everything we wanted is already here. Escaping laterally? Laterally. Oh, that makes more sense. I was like, like a ladder? But that ladder... <laughs> Differences in social and financial vulnerability explain why participants in mass acts of refusal have often been, and continue to be, students. Oh, I like it. Yeah, that was a really interesting part of the book. It talked about sort of how margins of social refusal are very reliant on, like, farther segmentations of society. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, what was the book called again? How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy. Here, I'm going to do two more. Sounds good. I am interested in gaining control of my attention rather than simply having it directed in ways that are deemed better for me. That was in relation to she was examining a report by someone who was talking about how the way in which algorithms are recommending things to people is not necessarily good for society, but then it went on to establish that by both recommending things that are better for people, you could get more views, making it economically better for the companies. Mm. And she's like, I don't want my attention to be directed better. I want to be in control. Oh, that's kind of, that's, that's cool to think about, just like, I don't want you to direct what I'm looking at, even if sometimes it's what I want to look like. I want to choose that for myself. But you don't even really notice that the algorithm is working when you're, I don't know, looking at whatever you're looking at. Yeah. Okay, and last one. I think there is an important distinction to make between isolating oneself versus removing oneself from the clamor and undue influence of public opinion. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's a that's, that's kind of an understatement, but it's just really good. <laughs> so you know how humans like we raise animals and eat them, or we raise plants and eat them. That's yep. what trees are doing to us. I'm sure you've heard this before, but they're yeah. giving us oxygen. They're <laughs> they're supporting us, knowing that we'll die. It's like that. Um, that writing concept where in like a pantheon there's a death god right 
But instead of causing wars and stuff, he makes it so everyone's really prosperous and has lots of children because he knows they'll all die eventually, which is really cool. But that's what that's what <laughs> trees are doing to us. <laughs> I mean, I've heard this before. I think it's kind of an interesting and funny idea. Yeah. But, like, it, you're giving trees too much credit here. <laughs> well, um, humans show nearly every sign of species domestication. <laughs> That's just because we're dumb. That's true. We're not, we're not bright. Uh, on a whole, we're not the best. <laughs> no, there are, like, yeah. just, like, whole run-on things about why this is probably true, but I'm not going to read them for the sake of time. I mean, run on things but like something my teacher emphasized when we were learning photosynthesis and all that biology stuff Mm -hmm. is that plants don't need anything else like if there were no other living organisms plants would be fine Mm -hmm. because they do the entire process right they do the photosynthesis they do the cellular respiration they're good (laughs) they're the bosses (laughs) they can do whatever they want yeah because my teacher, when we were learning, was, like, very emphatic. He was like, don't be like, but we're good for the plants. We give them the carbon dioxide. They need to... No. No, you don't. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> the plants help us, and we are useless to the plants. Yeah. It's very nice of them. So we're more like a pet than a than an animal they're raising to eat. We're just like, oh, hello. Hello. We'll bite them. I mean, I want to say, at the same time, we shouldn't assume consciousness of plants. Mm-hmm. But also, plants talk to each other, so I don't know. <laughs> Wait. Oh, no, I've, I've heard that. It's still weird, though. <laughs> You're, like, walking in yeah. the forest, and they're gossiping about how- your outfit that day. <laughs> so I think they'd probably talk about more important things than the fact that I wear pajama pants everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, talk is kind of a weird... Like, they, they communicate chemicals. Yeah. They have a way of conveying stuff (laughs) yes all right anyway that's it for this episode thank you so much for listening remember we are probably the same person you can email us at (laughs) samemindspod at gmail.com bye